Welcome everyone to another episode of More Marketing Ideas with me, Fred Gillen, your host, where you will learn from industry experts based on their life's experiences and business processes. So let's get on with the show. Today I have Pollyanna Lenkic on the show and Pollyanna is a coach, mentor, facilitator and speaker who works with leading organizations. Her purpose and passion is in helping individuals and teams to try to create sustainable results aligned with their goals and the goals and strategies of their organizations. With a strong business background, Pollyanna understands results need to be realized and measured. At 24, she co-founded a specialist IT recruitment consultancy in London, which grew from humble beginnings to a permanent team of 18 plus 100 plus, plus consultants with an annual turnover of 11 million pounds. Pollyanna sold her 50% shareholding in 2000 and moved back to Australia in 2002. Today, Pollyanna's focus is on two key areas, working towards building a gender balanced workforce. Her women and success programs support women to navigate specific challenges that women face in the workplace and building sustainable, high performing teams, lifting employees engagement and developing people's potentials. Pollyanna's structured approach delivers an uplift of 25% in team performances. So with those credentials, I welcome Pollyanna to the show. Welcome, Pollyanna. Fred, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you for that very kind introduction. No, it's, it's, it's easy um, when you know people have been through that, and we can actually explain to our listeners what exactly has gone on in their life. Um, we spoke earlier and you mentioned that when you arrived in London, you arrived as a broke Aussie. Uh, can you share your story of taking that business from basically nothing to a fully functional organization with 100 plus consultants? Um, absolutely. So when um, it was a lot of fun and I'm sort of laughing as I think back to uh, what was going on through my mind back then and, and how I approached it. But Back in the 19, um, late 1980s, you could arrive in London without a return ticket and with not a lot of money. <laughs> I don't think you can do that now. So, uh, but the trick was to go through Dover, and which is what I did. So I arrived in London after nine months travelling in Europe. Uh, my three-month backpacking holiday had gone astray in a good way. Sold my return ticket, got to London, had £40 in my pocket. I uh, didn't know anybody, so I did what any self-respecting broke Aussie does. You go to the walkabout club in Paddington, which was the place to go when you didn't know anybody, um, and you know, figure it out from there. So from there, somehow, um, created a life for myself, stayed in London for 17 years, and through that process, um, you know, after doing a couple of sort of, you know, whatever jobs you could get, um, initially fell into an opportunity where I was able to co-found uh, and build a specialist IT recruitment consultancy. So we specialise in the investment management unit trust business sector and we put the IT people who had both business knowledge and IT skills into um, organisations. So large blue chip um, companies, you know, Schroders, um, UBS, you know, all the investment management fund houses. I was 24 and I had no idea, um, absolutely no idea. So um, that was the, the beginning of it and I started working from home, um, in the back bedroom from home. I actually bought taped office noise because I thought people would take me more seriously if they you know, could hear office noise in the background, um, which was actually quite funny. 
And from there, it, it grew. I mean, when you're determined, um, probably had a little bit to prove as a 24-year-old, I was at least 15 years younger than most of my clients. And, you know, it was a male, at that point in time, was a you know, high percentage male-dominated industry, which, you know, was all fine. I think the biggest challenge for me then was the age gap rather than the gender gap. So um, you mentioned there that you actually got some canned office noise. Um, I'm amazed. What does that sound like? I know. It was like, you know, just like, you know, that, that murmuring stuff in the background. You know, you can actually go online and I think there's an app on, uh, on um, Google or, app or, or an Apple app where you can have cafe noise. So for people who are working from home, if they, don't, if they want to feel that they're being more productive, you can play cafe noise in the background. So it's the same sort of thing. I just saw an advert in the Evening Standard back then um, that said, you know, taped office noise. And I thought, that's a good idea. I'll get some of that. And it was, you know, phones ringing, um, murmuring of voices, nothing too overt, but just that hum of office noise in the background. Uh, so, yeah, which disguised it whenever my cat would roll into the office. Um, it didn't really, you know, you couldn't hear, couldn't hear him so much because you could hear some stuff in the background. And it created, it created a bit of a buzz. It, you know, had me feel like I was a part of something. But I was obviously doing it from a place of insecurity at the time because I wanted people to think I was a real business, which of course, you know, we ended up being. It, it, it's great. I, I wonder if it's still available. But, um, we'll have to check it out and use the, the Google search to have a look for that. Um, with your programs, you, you've got your women and success programs that supports women, you know, with, to navigate the, the specific challenges that they face in the workplace. Can you just explain to our listeners, because I suppose I'm not aware of them, what the major challenges are and how women can overcome them? Absolutely. And, and what's, um, it's, it's a quite a complex, um, complex subject, so I'll try and keep you know, fairly succinct about it because I know we're, We've got a certain amount of time. There's a gender gap at the moment in Australia, and if you look at the pay gap, I think it's at the moment the current EAWA figures are that it's currently ticked over 18% in pay gap. There's also so 31.9% in professional services. There's a pay gap. 34.4% in financial services at sort of the management level. So there are barriers at the moment that women face that that men don't. However, I think we can also get um, a little bit tangled up and start believing that there's some of those barriers are unique to women when actually they're unique to both men and women. So I've just contradicted myself and I'll explain the why of that. If you sort of take two aspects, the first aspect is women um, own and there are certain specific issues that are attributed as being women's issues when they're not. Uh, imposter syndrome, um, lower self-confidence, self-esteem, uh, what are the other ones? Queen bee, that's one that drives me crazy. For every queen bee, there's a King Bruce. It's not a gender issue, it's a personality disorder or it's poor leadership. So there's a whole area of things that we need to disentangle. We say, actually, you know what? These are not women's issues. These are human issues. You know, men feel imposter syndrome as much as, as women do. Women need to be in good leadership programs. Men need to be in good leadership programs. Then you flip the coin and you say, well, actually, but I'm also, the paradox is I'm also saying there are specific things that women navigate that men don't. So two things. There are specific things that both men and women navigate that are only attributed to women's issues. We need to stop doing that. The second thing is that the 
uh, things that women navigate and men don't around bias, around a gap in, you know, we're doing the same job for less money. So how do you navigate those specific issues around discrimination, bias, whether it's unconscious, conscious or outright, you know, discriminatory? How do you how do you navigate that? How do you focus on what's in your area of and your circle of influence, borrowing from Stephen Covey? And what do you do about that? So the programs specifically look at disentangling human issues from gender issues and how you communicate around that. And then also specifically looking at those um, areas that women navigate that men don't. Does that help? Does that make sense? Yeah, is there one specific one that you could possibly, you know, just um, enlighten us on and explain how, how you would approach it um, from a, a listener's point of view? Absolutely. Um, so one of the areas um, would be around women doing the same role and getting less pay. So how do you support women? Well, one of the things is learn to negotiate. You know, it's absolutely in, so important to know how to have the conversation in a constructive way that helps you address that imbalance in a professional adult-to-adult -adult communication uh, approach. So that's one of the areas. I was, I was actually interviewed by um, a young person who was doing a grade six assignment and they said to me, they said, my dad, my dad says we can't afford to pay women more right now. <laughs> Let's have a little chat about that. It's not that we can't afford to pay women. But I like your dad, but I'm going to disagree with your dad. It's not that we can't afford to pay women more right now. It's that, that we're addressing inequality. So it's those sorts of attitudes. If a, you know, if a 12-year-old girl is, um, believes that we can't afford to pay women extra right now, that attitude filters all the way through into adults, uh, into, the, into the corporate environments that we navigate in or that we operate in. And you start to believe some of that yourself. You know, addressing the pay gap isn't a pay right. It's addressing an inequality. So that's one of the areas that we look at. And then how do you communicate that way, communicate that and address that in a way that is engaging and that helps solve the problem? rather than being you know, a little bit more ineffective. Pollyanna, I've just got a question, not a question for you. For the small business owner listening, can you give them just some advice on lifting employee engagement and developing people's potential within their business? It's a, a really great question, Fred, because the first place we need to start is to start with ourselves. How do I lift my engagement? How do I lift you know, how do I lift my performance? Most leaders uh, become unstuck, whether you're a leader in, a, in you know, your own personal business enterprise or whether you're a CEO of a global organization, the first place to look is yourself. Understand your strengths, understand your values, understanding what's important for you, understanding, you know, the weaknesses. Once you have a, a really good handle of understanding stuff, and that's ongoing work, that's work that we, you know, it, it's never done. So invest in that work. Once you've done that, you can start looking at your team. You know, how, how is this team operating? A team is a system. How is that system interacting with each other? And the two components of a team to look at are both engagement as well as productivity about getting things done and I think there's often a gap where people just look at engagement or they just look at um, productivity whereas both are required so for high performance to create a highly performing and highly engaged team it's looking at 
both engagement strengths, so what we call positivity strengths, things like trust, respect, uh, how you value diversity in your team, camaraderie, the ability to communicate in a constructive way. You know, it, what's optimism like on this team? You know, how, how does the team uh, function and operate with respect? And then looking at the productivity side, you know, is the team a proactive team? Is there leadership and self-leadership in this team? How do we make decisions? It's really interesting. A lot of the teams I work with struggle to make decisions. And that's just because we're operating in a really complex world with constant change. And the complexity of, of that environment can really um, create blockages in that decision-making process. And what about the accountability in the team? You know, are, are the team aligned? Does the team have goals and strategies? So they're all productivity strengths. So how you create engagement, start within yourself, look at how you do that, have conversations with your team through the lens of both productivity and positivity. And I think one of the most courageous questions that a leader can ask themselves is, in what way am I a leader nobody wants to work for? It can provide some insightful answers. That's a huge question, isn't it? It really makes you think about what you're doing and um you know, how you, how you need to change, because I think most people need to change in some way. Um, in, the, in the introduction, I mentioned that it's possible to, or that it's possible with your instructions, how to lift a team's performance by over 25%. What's involved in achieving this, and, and where would somebody start? That's a, a process that I run with teams, and, you know, it's, it's about doing the work. So you know that all the um, metaphors and the analogies around you need to get off the off the dance floor and onto the balcony. The whole adaptive leadership um, model and approach. Now, it's about working in your business while you're working on the business. So with the team, it's, it's working on the team and also working in the team and having those two lenses. So that's the first place to look. Looking at productivity and positivity strengths and markers. So you know. How does your team rate against those? So when I work with a team, we do a diagnostic that measures across those 14 factors, seven on the productivity and seven on the positivity stress. Then we run a two-day off-site. So it's a nine to 12-month process. The team does the work. That's how they get the results. You can't um, turn up to a marathon and having never trained or maybe just done a half-a-day half a half training session and then be able to run that marathon because, you know, it'll, it'll kill you <laughs> or, or you might or you might just use up everything that you've got in your tank and, you know, and be flattened for the next couple of weeks unless you're a lot fitter than I am. So mm -hmm. for sustainable, the key thing here, Fred, is sustainable high performance. So how do you sustain that performance? You do the work and you do it across those factors and you engage uh, in working on the team and in the team. And then we just keep building the muscle. So we, do, we run regular coaching sessions for the team, which is, you know, course correcting, looking at where the team are at, they're trying new things, looking at where it's working, looking at where it's failing, and having, you know, the really great courageous conversations that helps that team move forward. So if you're doing this on your own, it's setting up a time to work together where you assess where are we at across productivity and positivity? And let's create time every month to get together to talk about how we're doing as a team. So that would be a good beginning. Else, sorry, if somebody else wants to actually find out some more about um, these pro processes and you know the procedures and your programs, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Just drop me an email, and I'd be delighted to have a chat and, and arrange a time for us to have a conversation. You know, I have um, you know, case studies 
the teams I've worked with. Uh, so I'm getting we're getting a minimum upwards of 25% on, you know, and that's measured with uh, results. So really happy to talk that through. But the most important thing to talk about is, you know, what's going on for their team. You know, what's happening? What challenges are you know are, are they having? And then what's the best support process to help that team with their engagement and, and productivity? And, and your email address is? Is Pollyanna at PollyannaLinkage.com. And you, you, for the listeners, you may spell your surname, sorry. I better do that. I'll spell it all, actually. It might be helpful. It's Pollyanna, which is P-O-L-L-Y-A-N-N-A, at Pollyanna, L for Lima, E-N for November, K-I-C.com. Terrific. Okay, well, it's really been an engaging um, conversation this afternoon. I've really enjoyed it, and I've, I've learned a bit, which I normally do from most of the interviews. And uh, I value your time and really appreciate the, you know, you spending your time with us this afternoon. Thank you so much, and it's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you for the invitation. No, it's welcome, and um, we should do it again and talk about one of the other topics. That would be wonderful. Thank you. Okay, it's been a pleasure.